0: Do this morning? Good. Isn't it good to be in the house of God? Yeah. Is uh, anybody ever going to take this for granted again? No. Absolutely not. It is so good even just um, being able to enter into what was the stage three on Friday. Yeah. It was about like two days ago. Enjoying all the freedoms you have been given back. We don't get too much into all that, but um, It's good to see you. My name is Brandon, as Pastor Brent just introduced me. And uh, I've been here a few times speaking, whether it's uh, here on a Sunday morning or at a youth uh, convention uh, conference. Um, My wife has done, I don't know if you guys uh, watched the the mental health uh, night that you guys did. My wife was the one that was on the screen there. And uh, we really love Pastor Brent and Nicole. And while they're not here today and they're getting so much needed rest, Uh, I just wanted to honor them before you guys and say we love your pastors, we're so thankful for them. Um, It's not just me. Across Ontario, Pastor Brent and Nicole have actually been really, really good to pastors all across this province. Um, They consistently bless us, they consistently invite us in, they consistently encourage us. And a couple like that is very rare. And uh, it's very rare when you're a pastor to have as much encouragement as we experience from them. So I just encourage you, it's kind of selfish, but they've been so good to me. Can you make sure that you send them a message some way or another this week, just thanking them for who they are, for leading you guys through the crazy season with this whole pandemic and everything else? Um, It's funny, I think there's a little bit of a bystander effect that takes place within churches, and the bystander effect... It's just that uh, we always assume that somebody else is encouraging the pastor. Well, they get lots of encouragement. They're always, you know, somebody's messaging them. I don't, you know, I don't want to bother them and that sort of thing. It's actually kind of funny how infrequent pastors get encouraged. They just kind of go about thinking, I I hope nobody's complaining, so I hope we're doing a good job. Um, So I just encourage you today. Make sure that you reach out to Pastor Brent and Nicole. um, And uh, just let them know that they're doing a good job. All right? Thank you Chapter 3 and 4 today, and I'm going to do an overview, I'm going to jump around, I'm going to give you the basis of the story, and I'm just going to jump into certain sections of this. But I want to encourage you today because uh, I've been through the same season that you have over the last year and a half, and the truth is that as churches and as individuals we're about to cross over into a new level of freedom, a new sense of joy and that sort of thing as we start to get some of these freedoms back that we once had in light of what we've just been through. It's not just that, but a lot of us have been picking up different things during this last year and a half. We've been um, uh, dealing with different things, maybe uh, rediscovering things that we thought we had dealt with in our past that came back up in moments of stress and that sort of thing. And I believe that the story that we're going to read today, while we aren't Joshua and we are not the nation of Israel, the challenges that face Joshua and the nation of Israel are also challenges that come into our, or are, are, are similar things that can come into our lives. And the way that we handle these things are, are very consistent with how God would, uh, that God had Joshua and Israel handle what they were up against. So when we find ourselves in this story, the nation of Israel has been wandering the, the desert for 40 years. They had an opportunity to go into what was the promised land. This is the land that God had promised the Israelites' uh, fathers uh, and forefathers, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, those guys. He had promised them this land. For 40 years, they have been wandering the desert because when they first went to spy out the land and go, Hey, is it safe to go in? Twelve spies went in. And only only two came out saying, yeah, we can take this. Ten stirred up the whole nation and said, no, it's too scary. The people are too big. We don't know if we want to go around. And so a few-day journey turned into a 40-year wandering. And here we have Joshua and the nation of Israel. They are on the precipice of moving into the promised land. And now they have to cross what is called the Jordan River. The Jordan River at the time, it was in flood season, it was a fast-moving river, it wasn't a river that you wanted to cross, in fact, you couldn't cross it, it was a very difficult thing to cross, where they found themselves just across from a city called Jericho, and where they found themselves, it seemed kind of hopeless, after 40 years of wandering, God's about to bring them into the promised land, and there's this last barrier in the way of where they need to go. See, in our lives, we are going to come across different things. That seem insurmountable. They seem like it's a barrier too difficult to cross. Um, again, we're not Joshua. We're not Israel. We don't have a literal Jordan River in front of us. But I don't know about you. But there's been many times in my life where I come up against something and I go, I, God, I don't know how we're going to make it through this thing. You know, right now at Slate Church, uh, we don't have the benefit of having a building. We have three locations that are all mobile. And I don't know if you've noticed, but but companies and businesses and organizations are really apprehensive to renting to large groups of people right now. And so everywhere we go at these three locations, are like, hey, we're not really comfortable renting to you right now. And I'm up against one of these, dear, uh, the, the, these um, uh, Jordan River experiences in my life right now that if I look in front of it and I go, God, how can we ever cross this barrier that's in front of us? You know, maybe it's with your family, maybe it's with a, with a, a, a teenage son or daughter, maybe it's with, a, with a, a parent, maybe it's something at work. I don't know what it is in your life, but what is it in your life that you go, God, if you're not able to move in this situation, I can't cross into what you're promising me. I can't cross into the thing that you have for me. You see, I want to bring you something Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, giving orders to the people, it says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move them from your positions and follow it. So, hey, when you come up across the Jordan River, when you come up to it, I want you to send the Ark of the Covenant before you. I think that this is actually still really good advice to us today. If we come up to something in our lives as we face the things that are going on in our lives, even as just as churches, we start to come back to our buildings and we start to go, what is church going to look like post-pandemic? We start asking ourselves questions. I think the, the same thing stands for us today. We need to send the Ark of the Covenant before us. You know what the Ark of the Covenant was? During this time, the nation of Israel would carry around the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the presence of God. So I don't know about you, but when I come up against a barrier in my life, the thing that I need to do is I need to send the presence of God before me into this situation that I think is impossible to cross. You know, I I, I think there's so many times when I come up against something and my mind goes into hyperdrive, right? Anybody else like this? Like, I can figure this out. Okay, there's something up against me. I'm going to call my five friends. You are all going to tell me the same thing before I take a step forward. I'm going to call my five friends. I'm going to do what I do. I know where my strengths lie. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to put it forward. You know, if I was these guys, I would go, hey, I'm just going to find a way to build a bridge over this thing so we can stop. And we start to put in our own hustle. I mean, this is the culture that we live in. We live in a hustle culture. Just it just till you make it work hard enough, and the world will give you back what you deserve. And yet, what well, we find in this story is that often... The people of God and as people of God, we're not called to just find a way to make it through something or to smash through the barriers in front of us and break through doors and all the rest, but we're actually called to send the presence of God before us and trust that God is making a way where we could make no way. Come on, encourage you this morning. So Joshua continues and he says, Hey, when you see the presence of God go before you, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, Would have been a fjord. A fjord is, uh, in this time, would have been a, a marshy area, a slightly shallower area where they could have crossed. Okay, so uh, in fact, we read a few chapters earlier um, that the spies that Joshua sent out would have crossed this area, and um, they would have crossed this area because it was a little bit safer to cross there. Where they were, across from Jericho, was not a safe area to cross. But we have to keep in mind, because we immediately, once we have that kind of information, we go, why did they just cross the fjord? Like, why why, do, why do we have to over-spiritualize things as people of faith all the time, right? You know what? Let's not go up to the fjord. It's pretty easy to cross. Let's just trust that God's going to bring us right through the jordan. You know, we're always over-spiritualizing things. But here's the thing. Joshua wasn't here with just the priests and the two spies. He was here with 40,000 warriors about to go across And fight Jericho. Now, to organize that to go north, to cross this marshy area, and then back down with the nation of Israel following behind the warriors would have been quite the the task task at hand. But I think as people, we often look at these these problems and we find solutions, and we go, "If we just head a little bit north, and we take a left." uh, 401, and we had done this, way. Like we're going to get there, and maybe we don't need God to intervene as much as we need him to intervene, and, and we try to make these ways ourselves, but I don't know about you, um, I have some kids, trying to get them to do anything is nearly impossible, uh, like, I, I mean, like, even just, like, the basic necessities, right, like, eating, but I'm not talking about, like, just getting my kids to, like, draw the Mona Lisa, uh, I'm talking, like, just to get my child to eat. I look at my son, Theo, and I'm like, Theo, uh, I'm not trying to like bring you through the ringer here. I, I literally just want you to eat so you can live. And this process takes about half an hour every meal time just to get them to start eating. It's like, hey, we we, we're, we we work really hard to provide, you just need to eat. Eat, sleep, drink water. You know, if you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're like just, just begging them to do the basics. nation that would take to take 40,000 warriors in an entire nation across a marshy mess because we think we know better. See, God knows better. Like so often in our lives, we go, no, 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 God, I know the way to get around this problem. I know the detour I can take to get there. Yeah, there probably is a detour to get to the place they You believe that God is taking you, but I am telling you, your way is always slower and more messy than following the direction of God and the way that the Holy Spirit is leading you, because you might be able to find a way around your problem, but the way through the problem without taking on all the mess and the gunk of the world is by living by the Word of God and His Spirit speaking to you and walking into all that He has for you. Joshua says, when you see the presence of God, follow it. As he's given them further directions, he says, now that choose twelve men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap." And I find it interesting that Before they even cross over in the Jordan, they start choosing 12 people. The nation of Israel, if you're not familiar with the nation of Israel at this time, it was broken into 12 tribes. And these 12 tribes represented the 12 groups of people that made up the nation of Israel. This goes all the way back to the family of Jacob. And what Joshua commands them to do, or sorry, what what what, um, Joshua starts to command the Israelites to do, is to choose 12 People that represent each of the tribes before they even go and cross over. Now, I love this point because I think so often as churches we kind of hide behind our church. If I could say that, all right? I know we're all like, wait, what do you mean by that? I'm not sure I'm so comfortable with this idea. But as Christians, we, we sometimes lay our faith on our church. Like, you do the work, I go work. church stuff. But we hide behind the church. And sometimes, if it's not like that, maybe as parents we go, I have kids. I come to the church. I serve in church. Church raised my kids. This is a, this is an ongoing thing that happens within churches. I'm not saying this happens in city church, but I'm saying it happens in our church. So, I mean, our church is not like your church. Your church is way better than our church certainly, but what I'm saying is if it happens in our church, it could just happen in your church as well. See, we often put the work of the church back on the church. Church be the church. Organization be the church. And what I love about this instance is that Joshua is asking them to choose 12, and we're going to learn there's even deeper meaning in in the choosing of the 12 in just a second. But what I love about this is he's saying, listen, what we could do here is as a nation, these waters could part, and we could all walk walk across together, and it could be a, like a, a really great thing. We could have you know one tribe cross over first, and then we could have you know a few from this tribe, or, or maybe it's just a free for all. We just it just opens up, and you guys just run and take care of it. But no, no, no. He says, "I want to I want to choose I want to choose one leader from each tribe." What he's doing here is he's saying, "Listen, when we cross over this river." This needs to be personal for each of the tribes. This needs to be an experience that is felt, not just as a nation, this is an experience that needs to be felt within each of the tribes. See, the presence of God, when it moves forward in people's lives, God doesn't want it to just be a communal experience, that's great, but he wants it to be a personal experience. See, Joshua is saying, hey, this process we're about to go through doesn't need to just be a corporate thing. It needs to be a personal thing. Because these tribes are going to walk through and each of these tribes, as they start to live in different areas in the promised land, are going to need to know what God did to bring them across here. And I don't just need this to be an organizational thing. I don't need this to just be a corporate thing. I don't need this to just be a nationalized But um, um, the final thing I want to say on the miracle is, miracles kind of scare us, don't they? Like, miracles are uh, miracles are big language. Anybody, like, like scared of, of the word miracle? You're like, ah, I don't know if it's. all these debates. The miracles still happen today. We're like, yeah, I don't know. Just rather not answer that question right now, you know? We know it's happened, you know? a small caveat. My personal belief on miracles is that one, they do still happen. But two, they're less necessary in our world today because we think we know the way all the time. We have cures we can take, right? Sickness comes up. We can't go to the doctor, which is a miracle, by the way, that God gave us the medicine to be able to take that. And so it's less necessary. It is a society that's thriving. You go to other parts of the world where they don't have a doctor nearby, guess who they're going to? They're praying to God because they have no other option. And because it's happening when they pray to God. Miracles are happening. So I think that miracles can absolutely happen today. And I think we need to still pray for them. When the doctor says that there's no hope, we still need to pray for them. When the doctor says, you've got two weeks to live, let's pray. Because I believe that our God is a God of miracles. There's one thing that our society hasn't been able to figure out and it's just gotten worse throughout the pandemic. It's mental health. See, I've been proclaiming this over our church, and maybe that just taking this pause, and it's not in my notes, but just taking this pause, it's maybe for some of you. I believe that God wants to start doing miracles of the mind. Because no matter how much we try to figure out mental health in our society today, We are like some areas of the world without doctors, except for we have no doctors that can fix what's going on inside. It just keeps ramping up within North America. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And my wife is a therapist, and I think therapy is good. And I think that the other ways that that, like medication are sometimes necessary, I'm not speaking against that. But in a world that cannot figure out its crisis, I believe that God wants to bring miracles, and I believe that he wants to bring miracles to the mind. Miracles can scare us, but I love that Joshua says, as soon as you set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, we're, we're part of a faith that's an all-in kind of faith. When we meet Jesus, Jesus doesn't want just a little bit of us. He wants all of us. Absolutely. But as we follow Jesus, do you also understand that we are a step-by-step kind of faith at the same time? He says, as soon as you set foot in the Jordan, The waters are going to. He doesn't. Listen, Joshua wasn't like, hey, priest, you guys need to do a cannonball into the Jordan River. And then all of a sudden the waters are going to park, okay? He says, as soon as you step foot into the Jordan, things are going to move. See, this should be a great encouragement to us because coming through this last year and a half, we can have courage and we can actually have hope that all we need to do is take the next step and God's going to meet us right there. All we need to do, we don't need to know how this whole thing ends. We don't need to know whether or not a space war is going to happen. We don't need to know whether or not this church is going to continue to open. I can't handle if it closes down again. We don't need to know all of that. Just taking a step right now is a step where God is going to meet you. He says, Set foot in the Jordan, and downstream, I'm going to hold the water up in a heap because He's always before you, holding up things that you don't even realize He's holding up. What a brilliant thing! We think the miracle's here, but he's already been working up there. And so, God does a miracle as they step into the Jordan. But I often think, as I read this story, that the miracle isn't actually the biggest miracle in the story. That's why I call this message the miracle and the memorial. Because I think the memorial might be sometimes the greater miracle. I'm mean, going to break that down for us in just a moment. In Joshua four two, we get a bigger clue as to why. In chapter three, we read that Joshua wanted them to choose twelve people to represent each of the tribes. And in Joshua four two, he says, "Okay, now choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. We read that previously also in chapter three, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you." Put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Set up a memorial, Joshua said. Set up a memorial because you're going to need to remember what I did. You're going to need to remember that I'm the God that brings you across on, on dry ground. And I'm the God that when you're up against something that seems insurmountable, When you're on the precipice of wanting to step into the promised land that God has promised in your life, when you're up against that thing, and you're nervous that you're going to need this memorial. See, Joshua had a memorial, but it was in his mind. And often we carry around things in our mind that maybe we need to write down in notebooks. I'm a big fan of notebooks. You guys know this about me, okay? But sometimes you need to get it down. Joshua's carrying around a memorial. Can I just remind you? The part of this story is that Joshua is one of two people that is about to cross over into the promised land that had been at this place before. Everybody else had passed away in the desert. Joshua is one of two people that is standing where they had stood before and not crossed over. So Joshua is one of two people that understand that when we come up against water and we don't know how to get across, that God makes a way. See, there's people in this room that need to be the Joshuas in this church, that when families are going through things that they don't know how to get through, when people are facing medical diagnosis that they don't know how to deal with, when people are going through uh, mental problems and mental health issues in their minds, like I have through my life, we're going to need some Joshuas that can remind us that God parts waters when we come up to problems. You can just imagine the priest like Joshua. You want us to do what? And he's like, "Yeah, this river. You're just gonna step foot in it." They're like Joshua, it's flooded. It's moving quickly. I don't want to step into the water. And Joshua said, "Step into that water." They go, "What?" And Joshua said, "I need you to step into that water right now because I have a memorial in my mind, and the memorial in my mind reminds me that when we were up against the Red Sea." God, you weren't there. Just me and Caleb were there. You weren't there. But 40 years ago, there was an army that was chasing us from Egypt. They didn't want to let us go. They wanted to keep us enslaved. And we came up against the Red Sea. And I watched Moses. I followed Moses. I learned from Moses. And Moses put his staff in that water and got part of the seas. If God can part the seas, he can part this river in his name. So I think it's time for some of us to say, you know what? enemy is not going to ravage our culture anymore the enemy is not going to take a piece out of our church a piece out of our families a piece out of our minds we're going to stand up and say if God did it there he can do it again if we part of the seas then we can step through on dry ground now so Joshua says I need you to pick up 12 stones because I'm not always going to be around this nation is growing. This church is growing. Just throughout the pandemic, you guys are reaching people online that you would have never reached before. But 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 this this thing's growing. Just saying, I'm not always going to be around. This, this is locked up in my head, but I need us I need to make a physical representation of what God's done here so you guys remember forever. Take up twelve stones from exactly where the priest, did, from exactly where God was, and I'm not trying to remember what we did. Notice he didn't just say, hey, just find a stone while you're walking across. As a reminder of you walking across. No, no, no. He says, pick it up from exactly where the priest stood. It's it's symbolic to remind them that they weren't the ones that did this. God was the one that did this. Pick it up. Come across. Twelve of you for each of your tribes, Because all of your families need to know I did this. And put it down as a reminder so that when your kids ask. What do these 12 stones mean? You can say that the Lord, our God, allowed us to cross on dry ground. See, a memorial, a memorial is a miracle multiplier. It, when you get a hold of what, what God moves in your life, that it's not just for you. It begins to multiply the miracle in the lives of the people around you. I remember yelling at, at God about five years ago. I went into pastoring. banks wouldn't give us money. We had a baby on the way. Couldn't buy a house. And I remember yelling at God, God, why would you leave me into ministry if you wouldn't allow me to buy a house? Why would you do this? Because this is how you treat your servants. I had one of those David moments read some of David's Psalms, and you're like, are oh, you happy to talk to God? I was like, God. like, God, what are you doing? Later, there we are in a house. We don't have time to tell the story. Here we are in a house. Two years later, we bought another house. We were able to keep that house, rented it to people in our church for lower than what everything else was being rented for. God now brought us to a different house that we now live in. It's like a, it's a little, little miracle for us, but we tell our kids about this story all the time because I want them to know that God moves in miracles. My parents almost lost me when I was born. Dad said, God, if you'll just keep this little boy alive, I'll give him back to you and he'll serve you for the rest of his life. I'll encourage him to go in the direction of just serving you with all of his life. If you'll just keep him alive, and here I am, and I'm leading in a church, and I'm getting this opportunity, thank God that my dad did or my my dad prayed that prayer, and God answered his prayer. You know, I've been I, I grew up with OCD. OCD is something that ravages you inside. Anxiety is not just something that I feel in moments, it's something I live with every single moment. I would think, I would be so scared that my parents were going to die if I didn't do this and this and this and this. And I was just going around and my parents had no clue what was going on. But at 14, after my dad prayed with me, laying his hand on my head for two years straight, saying, Jesus, 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 show him that he's not alone. Jesus, after two years of praying that, it was gone in a night. Now listen because my parents have stories that have enabled me to get through that season where we didn't have the head I'm still going to trust in you God because if you did it for my parents you could do it for me. You know, I, I was able to get through some of those mental health things when I was a child because of my God. Played. But you know, my, my dad grew up in a, in a very unique situation. 13 brothers and sisters. 13 brothers and sisters. They were poor, dirt poor, that one five-seater car. I don't know how that all works. in addition, My grandma and grandpa slept in separate beds. Difficult to explain how they had 13 kids. But I remember going through these things in my mind. And I remember going, "But, but God, if you did it for my dad and you sorted all of his stuff and you brought him, you could do it for me. But here's the thing, guys. Some of us are still relying on parents' and forefathers' stories when God's wanting to give you your own stories for your own kids. Listen, if it just ended with my dad's stories of how he got this job because he did this thing and God spoke to him, and man, that brought me I didn't think I was going to be able to pay for school. And I was like, no, God, you did it for my dad. But if I just went through all my life saying, Kenzie, Hugh, and Claire, God did this really cool thing for grandma and grandpa a little while ago. You should really believe in Jesus. Eventually, that's going to stop having the impact it needs to have. They can't live on the fumes of my father's faith. And so I asked God to move in my life. Those stones represent God. I need you to do something in my life so that I can start telling Kenzie, Theo, and Claire no, 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 no. God did that in my life. And so you can trust him as you move forward. God, so we need some more stone stories in this church, where we start proclaiming the goodness of God as we're going through difficult times, so that the people around us and the kids around us and the generations that are coming up can know the goodness of God, and that when we come up against against things, our God always shows up, and when we come up against barriers that we don't think we can pass, our God blasts through them, and when we come up against things that we you think that there is no way to go forward. Our God stands in the middle and says, no, 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 no. I did it for them. I can do it for you. Memorials are miracle multipliers. You don't just get the miracle once. Now you get the joy of sharing it over and over and over and over, and over again. I don't know how many times my church is going to hear about my CD every time I think about it. Because I ravaged my life for 14 years. And I'm free of it. And I want somebody else to get free of it. I want somebody else to know you don't have to live with anxiety. I want somebody else to know that when you come up against fear, you can cross over it. We need to start reminding our fear that God is bigger. You don't have to start reminding our depression that, yeah, God says that morning may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, when you start reminding our problems in front of us that God is bigger than any problem that we could ever go through. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I just want to pray for two groups of people, the first group. Maybe you've never known Jesus or maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Romans makes it very clear if you make a decision in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, You will spend eternity with him. That's a great thing, but it also means that you can actually spend today with him. You might be going through a problem, but his presence will go with you. So today, I want to just give an opportunity, if anybody wants to make a decision to follow Jesus, there are more steps that you want to take, but Jesus says, hey, you don't need to come to me and make yourself good before you come to me. He says, no, 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 that's why I died on the cross, because I paid a price for your sin that you could not pay for yourself. So today, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, I just want to ask you, can you just lift a hand? If you're in the room right now, can you lift a hand? If you're watching online, there's probably something that indicates you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I see that hand here in the room. Thank you so much. Anybody else? In just a moment, some next steps will be given you, but I want to pray for you really quick online and in the room if you made that decision. Jesus, I want to thank you that you make your presence personal to us in your death on the cross. Say, so, hey, put your faith in me that I paid the price for your sin and you can spend eternity with me and you can actually spend right now with me. You can experience heaven on earth right now as you walk through every problem that you go know through with the peace of Christ inside of you. So God, I pray for everybody to raise their hand right now that they would know that you're with them, you're walking with them and that they have just joined a family of people that desperately love them. I pray this all in your name everybody said amen and church can we celebrate that somebody in the room today made a decision to follow Jesus celebrate somebody new being brought into the family of God finally every head bowed and eye closed because I I, I can't let the rest of you get off so scot-free here but maybe you've been facing a problem and you've needed a reminder that your God is bigger your God is greater your God has done this before he can do it again if that's you. Can you just raise a hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you so much. All across this room and online. You can raise your hand too. It's not awkward. You're just by yourself or in a room or living. Just raise your hand. Jesus, thank you so much for everybody that's raising their hand right now. God, the truth is, we need you. Jesus, we need you in our lives because we forget. We'll even set up stones, and we'll ignore them as we try to go figure things on our own. God, we need an ever-present reality in our spirits, in our minds, in the people around us, that God, you are the surest way. Your presence is the surest way to getting to where we desperately want to be. And just something that you remind us as we face hardship that you've been there before, and you've provided before, and you've, you've, you've made a way before, and you've Hearing this before. Jesus, I pray in those moments where we feel like giving up, that we would give it up to you and rely on you that you can move in our situation. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you, City Church.